Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Imperial. It's a joy to be with you all once again. Speaking of a joy right here, right now, I get to connect with a guy who I've been talking to over the internet for quite some time now. You may know him as one of the co-hosts for Keeping It 100 with Conan and Disco Inferno. He's also the head honcho, the big kahuna for the Creative Control Network. Here's the one. Here's the only Mr. Joe Feeney. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. But I think Raven would be disappointed that you left the Raven effect out in that uh, intro. You know, I also co-host the Raven effect. So, okay, you know, well, uh, it's a, a cult, I'd call it a cult favorite. You know, right. it doesn't quite it doesn't quite reach the uh, the audience that K100 does, but it it has a good audience and has a loyal audience. So, but I, yeah, just wanted to bring that up because that shows it's, it's a laugh. I'll put it that way. I don't know if you listen to it, but it's really silly and really funny. Yes, no, I have. He's he's a hoot, and um, yeah, my apologies sure. to Raven. Either I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he will not watch this at all. Uh, <laughs> he might. You never know. <laughs> you never know. I joke. First question, as per usual, on the show, uh, we're going all the way back to you know early days. How did you become a fan of professional wrestling? Well, I remember. Um... I was born in 1981. So around the time of the first mania in like 85, I was a little young, you know, I was like three and a half or whatever. And, uh, but I found it just on Saturday mornings, I think. And what I remember watching first was the Hogan, Andre Piper, uh, Piper's pit when Andre turned heel on him, Bobby Heenan was there. Of course, Jesse Ventura. I remember seeing that and seeing him rip the cross off him and Hulk's chest was bleeding and all. And I don't know that just, you know, obviously that hooked me. And also around that time, I don't remember which was first or if it was the same show. It might've been the same show. Cause it's, it's the same time period set up the same paper, which is WrestleMania three was uh Randy Savage smashing steamboat with the ring bell off the top rope. And he had his neck across the barricade and he came down and steamboat's like, ah, and he's acting like he can't breathe and he can't talk. And is he going to come back? Who knows? And all. So those were the top two, um, matches on that show and, and they both kind of hooked me and i was like uh you know i became the little hulkamaniac at first and then not too long after that i was a warrior fan and eventually you know i i started to notice i was young but i started to notice like work and stuff early and i knew that whenever jesse ventura as a heel put over a baby face he was really saying that's a good worker you know and he would say that about guys like savage dynamite kid and him and gorilla always put bread bret hart over and i thought bret hart was great i never thought that he would you know, become world champion and stuff. But he he eventually became my guy at that time in uh, in the early nineties. Right, awesome. That's cool. So yeah, that's that's the golden era of 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 you know pro wrestling right there. Just as it became like a, you know a really 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 big deal over there. Um, and one thing that you know I have to get like uh, guys like you to I don't know make me jealous and, and t- teach me of your ex- tell me of your experiences as a fan because I live in Perth. So I've only ever mm-hmm. been to like maybe three WWE shows in my life. Um, huh. how, how have your experiences been as a as a fan? You know, uh, during those times, as you know. Uh, well, I remember um, first going to house shows probably in the early '90s. There was one I went to. I remember we won tickets at like uh, a church um, fundraiser, bingo, or some shit. My dad and I. Well, actually, the the priest won the tickets, and I threw a tantrum. So my dad. Managed to get the tickets off the priest, you know, so that worked out. That was the NWA, though, in Philly. So I've I've tried in vain to figure out which card it was because I can't really remember. I just remember that uh, Paul Lee was managing the real Midnight Express or or the original Midnight Express, whatever they called them. And they were feuding with Cornette's Midnight Express. It was probably like 89 or something. Uh, but I don't remember anything else on the card. I don't remember like if Flair main evented, if Sting was there. Like I, I have no memory of it. It's just too long ago. And then I remember doing some house shows in Philly with my parents. They would um, broadcast them on on a, a cable channel called Prism, actually. So it was kind of like where when they were at Madison Square Garden, they'd play the shows on MSG. I don't know where else they did it in the country, but they did it in Philly. They would play the Spectrum um, house shows live on, on Prism. So I went to a few of those, and um, my fandom kind of tapered off. Uh, I, I always say there's you hear a lot of the same stories, like when I um, – had some conversations with Conrad Thompson. We're about the same age. And we found out like, you know, oh, I took a three-year break. Oh, when did, when did you take a break? Well, I took it right after WrestleMania 9 because Hogan won the belt and I didn't like it. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> when did you start watching again? When Hogan turned heel. Me too. You know, so there's a lot of people that during that 93 to 96, if, you know, they didn't stick around. They came back for Nitro and Hogan turning heel and ECW and stuff. But it, it's just a roundabout way to say, like, after I came back to watching it, I discovered 
ECW. I, I, I was mainly a WCW watcher around the NWO time because I was a kid. And to me, it was like, well, WWE is only the WCW rejects now. All the stars are over here. But I discovered guys like Austin. Brett was back. And like I said, ECW was local to me. So from like 97 on, as soon as I could, I, I hit like every Nitro. I hit most of the Raws. And I, I went to the ECW arena. Not as much as I wish, you know, but I went to the arena a few times. And that all went on until about 2000 or 2001. You know, so it was good. It was good for me to be a fan because I, I had a lot. I had a lot of product I could see. And then there was your indie shows and the NWA was across, the independent version of the NWA was across the bridge in Cherry Hill and just cool shit like that. So there was always a lot to go see and all that. And I, I certainly got my fill when I was a teenager. Uh, that's cool, man. I'm very jealous, uh, you know, because I've seen maybe, you know, mid 2000s uh, WWE came over to Australia, um, but I was I did have a ticket to see WCW um, here in Perth, but they cancelled the show um, when they did the uh, Australian tour in 2000. So, that, yeah. um, did you ever go see the the World Wrestling All Stars when they were there? Actually, I don't know why, but I didn't. I I, I don't know why. I think it's because my mum didn't earn a lot of money at that time, so I I always felt bad asking her to fork out money for things. Yeah, but I, yeah, I did see the superstars of wrestling, um, which had um. The Road Rodman? Warriors against um Rodman was supposed to be on that show, but he didn't make the Perth show, which is um, fine. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I got to see the Road Warriors against Public Enemy in a tables match, and uh I think it was Barbarian and Kurt Hennig in the main event. So wow. yeah, was, that was my first experience seeing a, a wrestling show mm -hmm. in person. So that was my now I'll, I'll flip I'll flip the switch on you now. I'm I'm conducting an interview here. Um what's <laughs> up with the indies and stuff around you? You got anything like that you can go to? Yeah, I've been to quite a few of them over the years. We we used to have four different wrestling companies in our city, um, but now I think it's down to two. Um, one has one kind of bought out um, another one, and there's there's a there's a third one, but it doesn't really count. It's it's really shit. But um, yeah, I I must have seen maybe. 30, 40 shows over the the last I don't know twenty years or so. But um, yeah. that's you know. It's fun for a while, but then uh, I don't know. I get a little bit over it sometimes. Um, sure. Yeah, you know they're they're great. They're great. You know, um, the local company here, EPW. You know, uh, uh what were they called? T TM six one or whatever in NXT. Um, uh, Shane Thorne and uh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, I, I, I think he was in um the Retribution stable as well. Yeah, a bu oh, bunch well, of those yeah. guys <laughs> did make it over there. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it's 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 good. Um, but are you gonna I go mean, to the Stark the Starcast thing that the Conrad's gonna bring over? I've I've heard about it. I still don't know all the information, but um, yeah, you know, if I don't think they've really shared that much yet. Yeah, but it's it's linked up with that. Is it Oceana Pro Wrestling or something like that? I think yeah, something over yeah. east. Yeah, That's so cool. I'm hopeful to fly over for it, and I'm also hopeful that maybe I might be able to, I don't know, be involved in some way. Um, so. sure. We'll They're see. always looking for volunteers and people to help. And that's a good way to get your foot in the door too. Absolutely. You know? So like, yeah, we're, we're hopeful that, you know, we can, we can be a part of it in some way. I mean, some of the guys from our YouTube channel. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, speaking of getting your foot in the door though, um, you know, okay. You've been a fan all these years, you know, you, you, you dip out for three years, you dip back in when it gets hot again. Uh, when did you first see or hear of a wrestling podcast and, and, you know, what, made you decide to do it and and how did you navigate your way in i think the first one was probably cabana and mm -hmm. um it was like for for the longest time i was like um i was just cheap let's put that i was an anti-technology but i was like i would have like a flip phone or a, a bullshit like i didn't have the ability to play the podcast is what i mean so when i finally upgraded and I upgraded to the to an iPhone back in like 2011, and I've been using them ever since because now I'm addicted to them. But um, yeah, that was one of the first things I wanted to do was, oh, I want to find the podcast, you know. So I had Colt, I had MLW, and around the same time, Jericho was starting and Austin. And that's before it was like really overrun, where now it's like Nash, Dutch, Cornette's been around, of course. And then like everybody's got one, so I'm sure it's hard to, to make time for everybody. But my my guys back then was Colt for sure. And especially MLW radio, which had Conan, you know, and um, it was Court Bauer, Conan and MSL. They did a great show. It was no, very, very no holds barred at that time. 
And then they brought some other things on, like Cornette was on there, and they had a segment they called Writer's Room, which I like listened to multiple times. It was it was Conan and Court and MSL, but they had Gabe Sapolsky on once when he was still – or maybe he was uh, gone from Ring of Honor and on his way to Evolve or whatever it was. But it was like more booking talk and stories, and I was like, wow, this is great because at the time, uh, I just – I had a regular job-type job, and I was uh, managing a warehouse, but I was able to listen – almost all day. I was like, usually the, I was the manager, but rarely did I have a temp in there. Like I had to do everything in there. It was, it was a pain in the ass, but it was cool too. Cause you could just kind of chill, you know, and yeah. have your headphones in. And, um, but I decided one day, like I was trying to picture my life 30 years down the line. And if, if I wanted to be at this place all that time and what did I want to do and stuff. And at that time I was probably like 32 or 33. And I was, I was 30 when I started it, but when I started thinking about it, I was probably 32 or 33. And I decided to go back to school. And what it, the reason was because of MLW Radio in the writer's room. I was just like, you know what? If I'm going to take a shot at something, even though I don't think there's a high chance, let's just take a shot at it. And so I went back to school for screenwriting, TV writing, and, and creative writing, things like that, with the end goal of like, well, if I could work my way into wrestling somehow, that would just be sweet. You know, and now at, that, at this point, it's like 10, 11, 12 years ago, whatever it is, you know, and somehow I'm doing the podcasting. But uh, the reason that happened was because when I decided to get involved, I went back to school and then I saw that the Monster Factory in New Jersey was having this seminar on a Saturday. And the seminar was with Joel Gertner from ECW. And it was called Everything But the Wrestling. And I was like, well, that's what I need to hear about. I'm obviously not going to wrestle. I, I was already old, out of shape, and my back had been injured in other ways and stuff. So there was no way. I would ever be able to get into the shape that you would need to be. So I was thinking like, all right, I'll go there and I'll learn a little bit about writing and, you know, how to meet people and navigate that world and all that. And so I went to it and Joel had a really great seminar. You know, I really, I learned a lot and I got to meet some guys and I met Danny Cage who ran the monster factory. And there were some other guys there at the time, like um, Damien Priest was there, uh, Nick Camarado, um, Matt Riddle showed up like, Later that year, Matt Riddle was there. So it was a cool place to be, Deanna Perrazzo. And, um, you know, they Joel went around the room and had everybody do an exercise. So if you're a wrestler, he'd be like, all right, you're in this situation. Now cut me a promo about this, blah, blah, blah. And he came to me and I was like, I don't know what you what I can do because I'm not I'm not interested. Like, I can't become a wrestler. It's just impossible for me. He's like, well, what's your goals? I was like, I don't know. I, I'm really fascinated by booking and creative and stuff. So he had me write up a quick vignette. And it was a, it was the Blue Meanie who was there and a guy. I can't remember his name, but he was a big guy with like a long beard. And so I basically what I wrote was Beanie's going to recruit this guy to the BWO because they need a bruiser Brody type, whatever. And it was the first thing I ever did. And, you know, everybody politely applauded and all that. <laughs> but it, it hooked me up with Joel a little bit. It hooked me up with Danny. It hooked me up with some of the wrestlers. And as I was trying to figure out what to do, I was like, yo, Danny, why don't I come to the shows and just write a report and send it out to the sites and then write previews and try to get. So that's how I started there. And. As the writing continued, I was doing like DVD re reviews or uh, on-demand content reviews, pay-per-view reviews, NXT and stuff. And I would send them around and like immediately I was up on the Observer and the Torch and PW Insider and One Wrestling. And I was like, wow, this is – and, you know, this is pretty cool. But there wasn't any money in it, you know. So I kind of figured I was going to – around this time, I also my, – my work closed. They moved to another location and there wasn't going to be a warehouse there. So I was like, you know, my job didn't exist anymore. They wanted to put me somewhere else and, you know, I, I wasn't into it. And uh, so I thought, all right, I'll, I'll go to school. I'll kind of cash in my 401k. I got some savings. Let's see what happens. We'll mess with this for a little bit. So as I'm doing that, you know, I got a lot of free time. I'm watching DVDs. I'm writing. I'm trying to connect with people. There was a guy who, um, and I can't remember his name, and that's a shame, you know, because he's the first guy that said it, but it was so long ago. And we didn't work together more than like a couple of weeks but he was like, why don't you try a podcast? And I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I, I'll get nervous. I don't really like my voice, all this stuff. And I don't know. Somehow I just decided to do it. I was like, all right, you know, if you're going to try things, try them. You know, don't back away, you know, because that's you're never going to get anywhere. So I started Creative Control. I had um, Danny Cage and Joel Gertner on the first episode. Within the first 10, I had like J.J. Dillon, Ed Ferrara, Steve Carino. And then I got Richard and Disco was on and. Diamond Dallas Page, and I just did really well, really quickly. And so part of that, of course, is you know it very well. You're trying to get guests. So I'm, I'm using anything I can. I'm emailing, I'm Facebook, and I'm getting numbers from people, whatever, whatever you got to do. Twitter DMs, I didn't find for a while, but that, that was helpful. And one of the guys I hit up was Conan. 
And Conan knew me because I would joke on Twitter about how I was such a big MLW radio fan. And I had MSL on my podcast. And then I had Ed Ferrara, another guy who kind of worked with MLW radio. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to get everybody, you and Court, like I got to complete the complete the set or whatever. <laughs> and he would always tell me, no, I don't know who the fuck you are, basically. And so um, when he started K100, it was him, Disco, and Kevin Gill, who was a guy that um, he was in and around wrestling and um, GCW, and, and, and he worked with ICP's wrestling and stuff. Yeah. And Conan met him at a convention, and it just – he needed a third guy and he kind of thought, Oh, this guy knows hip hop and, and he seems into wrestling. He's booked a little, this could be cool. And they, they just didn't get along at all at all. Like almost immediately. And I know like with in my, in the version of the show I'm on, obviously I get my balls busted and that's fine. That's part of it. But KG was like, they were, it wasn't for fun. You know, those guys really didn't like each other. Right. So what happened was Conan knew me from my show, which was called creative control at the time. And I sent him a few samples of this and this and that. And he's like, listen, I need to replace my producer. And I was like, oh, okay, no shit. He's like, you're a listener, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm a listener. He's like, you understand how the show goes. We do the intro, then the drops. And then there's this music for this segment. I'm like, absolutely. I didn't, I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know it that well. But I, I didn't want to say no to the opportunity. Yeah. So that's how I got on K100 basically was I started my own podcast after trying to, you know, get in the business. I did all right. I got a little little bit of notoriety from that. I had some good guests. And then from there, Conan, basically, he needed a replacement. And he he trusted me to come on and start producing the show. And, uh, you know, it's that was um, 2017, February 2017. So it's over six years already. I've been with those guys. Yeah. Yeah, time has flown by, that's for sure. Um, so yeah. uh, what was, I guess, some of the lessons that you learned early on uh, when, you know, starting a, a podcast or getting into that world? I had a lot to learn because I wasn't, um, I wasn't a broadcaster. I hadn't commentated anywhere. I never did a radio show. I, did, I was just learning from scratch. So be prepared. Let, let the guests talk for sure. Don't worry about so much getting yourself over. You know, that's not important. Just be a good interviewer. And that was the kind of stuff I learned in the beginning. And then I learned how to edit and I learned how to make it sound good. And then from I, I started to learn how to look for sponsors, just shit I taught myself, you know. And um, that kind of led me to work with with other shows about sponsors. But that's a little bit down the line. But yeah, I'd say that's if early on podcasting. Just learn how to interview well, um, promote the hell out of yourself and um you know, you got to find, you got to find your ways to make a couple bucks. You know, even if you have a full-time job and you're doing this on the side, you still don't want to do it for free, mm. you know, and uh, whether that's finding sponsors or, you know, having a successful Twitch or YouTube or Patreon or whatever, there's like, you know, there's a lot of avenues to try to make a buck doing this, you know? And um, so that, I think that really, after you learn how to interview well and you're confident with that, the next thing you need to do is try to figure out how to, how to monetize it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I'm up to about 160 odd episodes and I've, I've never made a cent off anything. I, I, I still haven't really figured out that that kind of side of uh, the podcasting world. Um, I find oftentimes well, that's, that's, I'm it, spending money to pay for guests because. Right. Right. <laughs> but that's not a problem, dude, because you know what? I started in like September 2014 and I didn't make a buck till like August of 20. No, well, February of 2017 was when Conan started paying me, but my first sponsors I got at the end of the summer. So it was like three, three years and change. Cause kind of like you, I wasn't focused on that part yet. Mm. Guests were more important to me and, and sending my name around and all this. And um, so, and another thing I would do is, uh, and this might, uh, it's, I don't know who, who would be relatable to, but it's just something that I tried was around the time since I was trying to get back into, in the writing and the writing classes I took obviously weren't like, Hey, book raw. You know, it would be like, write this kind of story, do this, write a short script. So I learned of a guy that I knew through a mutual connection. This guy, Box Brown, is a he wrote an Andre the Giant comic book, and he's just a he's a comic artist. And he said, look, I know this guy that's putting together a collection of wrestling art and stories and all this. Why don't you write something? So I wrote a quick short story. I still hang my hat on it, but re the reality is it's fucking like three page. Can I curse on here? Sorry yeah, if not. Of course. Uh, it's I think it's like three or four pages. You know, it's not anything. It's it's just it was something to, to to say, oh wow, look at that. I got published. And then you can show that to people and they'll think, oh, he's making moves, he's doing things. So when I got copies of the book, I got a shitload. 
and uh, I would send them to people. I sent them. I sent one to Raven. I sent one to Conan and Disco. I sent one to Meltzer. I sent one to Ed Ferrara, Vince Russo. Just anybody I, I I thought was in that creative side of things. I'm like, well, maybe if they read this and they like it, they'll think of me at some point. And you know, that's kind of you know that's how things wound up starting with Raven too. And Russo was a guest, you know. So anybody that I felt like I wanted to get an in with, I would send them a shirt and a book. You know, that way they get it. If they don't, they don't ever wear it or they don't ever read it. That's fine, but they got it. And now you're in their mind at least a little bit you know right cool that's that's interesting to hear about and um another thing i you know i like to ask uh when i have you know other podcasters on the show or other people that conduct interviews when you have difficulties with guests and, and when i say that i mean how do you try to make that connection with them if it appears that they aren't showing a lot of interest early on into the interview um you got to uh mix up what you were going to do. Like if you have a list of questions in a row and they're not working and it seems like, ah, shit, this is bombing. Just ask something off the top of your head or when you prepare for the interview, like say you were interviewing Stevie Ray from Harlem heat. Right. And uh, you're asking him about Steiner brothers matches. And he's like, Oh Christ. Like he's, he's answered it a million times. Well, if you looked into Stevie Ray, you'd find out, wow, this guy's majorly into boxing. So just, you know what I mean? Like maybe you'd be like, oh, you know what? What do you think about this fight coming up? Just to try to engage him. And that's what I would think. Like if I never had Jericho on, but if I did, I would kind of gear it towards music and comedy and movies and just other stuff other than wrestling to get him engaged. I, I had an interview with Russo like that once where we didn't talk much wrestling. We were talking about his writing style and what inspired him. And then we were talking about favorite Howard Stern guests. And it was just different. And when we get, well, we'll get to it. Like that's how I went up on the Raven effect with Raven is I finally got Raven to do creative control and I was doing um, K100 for a couple of years at this point. Jeez. Well, yeah, a couple. And uh, so I finally got Raven on and I really wanted to make sure that I didn't do what you're saying, get him disinterested because and I'd been waiting for a while. He's one of the main guys I wanted on and I just wanted to leave a good impression. So really, again, we didn't talk much wrestling. We went into different things, a little bit about what inspired his gimmick, but then I would ask about concerts. I would ask what he's watching on TV shows, different, just different things, you know? And what happened after that was he called me like the next day and he was like, look, um, I just moved the Raven effect from ML, uh, from Jericho network to MLW. And they put me with this guy, Rich, who was in a WWE announcer and, and we don't really know each other. And I haven't been too crazy about it the first couple of weeks. And I'm thinking about maybe even stopping the show. But you and I had a really good rapport. So would you want to come on and try to be the third guy? And it was just like that quick. Like I finally got him on the show. And then the next day he was like, that worked, you know, come work with me if you want. So that's, I would say, just try to do the unexpected. Uh, don't just go down the line of, of shoot interview questions, you know, try to try to be a little different and interesting. Like in, if you had Eric Bischoff on, for example, instead of just asking him like, well, how, what went wrong with WCW or how did you, how'd you get in touch with Vince or geez, impact was rough. Wasn't it? You know, just stuff that he's answered a lot or talked about on his own show. I would ask him about, you know, the beer that he was brewing or like, mm. you know, what is, what is deals like in Wyoming and his ranch and how much, how much does he like that better than being stuck in the city and just you get trying to get a little personal and then they'll relate to things you're saying. You relate to things they're saying is what my long answer was kind of trying to say. Right, no, cool. And uh, another thing I was I was interested in asking about is um, when you, you okay, so you've you've mentioned this opportunity when you got to work on um, K100 with Conan and Disco. Uh, how long did it take you to feel comfortable in the role, especially when you're going to be you know talking on the show a bit more? Because I can imagine if you gave your opinion on pro wrestling, those two would probably be the last people you'd want to say something stupid around because you'll get yeah. scorched. It took me a little bit. It took me a little while because uh, Conan's especially going to be hard on you if you're the new guy and he don't know me really and it's uh, just this mark and stuff. So it took me a little bit. Uh, I was comfortable with Disco right away because I had interviewed him before and he's just an affable dude. You're going to get along with Disco. You know, it's funny to me has such a bad social media reputation when he's like the nicest <laughs> guy. It, it, it did take me a little while. Um because I was I was thrown into the spot because really when I came in, KG was still the third co-host and I was producing. So I was kind of just the guy recording and maybe chiming in when they asked me to or connecting guests, stuff like that. So KG just quit one week without notice. He didn't tell anyone. He just started no showing. And Conan's like, all right, Joe, you're the third guy. It's like, oh, shit, I got to learn this. You know, <laughs> maybe like uh, 
honestly, maybe it was like a year and a half after that, that shift happened, you know, it just, it was, it was tough. I mean, and now I think it's, you know, it's obviously all been worth it because I think the rapport on the show is great now, but it was hard at first. And actually someone asked the mailbag question about that last week and uh, about why I talk more on Raven show and I feel more comfortable there and stuff. And I was like, you know, because first off, people are listening for Conan and Disco. And second off, like, I kind of came into the mix with these two guys that have 25 years of a rapport already established, you know, and I don't want to step on it, especially when people are listening to hear their back and forth, you know, but so getting into the mix with them, it just took, it took a little while. I don't think it was bad. It's just that I, I wouldn't interject then as much as I do now, you know, I just, but it, I'm way comfortable now. It's, I've been way comfortable for at least three years or so. So probably like the first couple I felt iffy. And then after that, it's been all good. Right, cool. And I wanted to touch on something that you you mentioned is the the hatred that seems to be thrown Disco's way on social media. How do you feel about that? Because, like, honestly, every time he says something, I agree with him most of the time, if not all the time. Um, why do you think they're so harsh on him? It's really over the top. Well, when it comes to his wrestling opinions, people are going to be harsh. Cause, well, what do you know? You were a dancing idiot and you were a jobber. They always say jobber, which the guy was on Nitro and Thunder like every week. He held championships. He was in angles like mm. he, he's he's very underestimated. I don't just say that because I do the show with him. I've told him that off the air, on the air, whatever, that when you go back and watch Nitros and Thunders, like Disco could work. Is he going to do a 450? No, but he's going to sell his ass off. He's going to get the crowd engaged and. You know, he was, I think he was very, very good. He was very good. And he could go in there with Jericho or Saturn or Ray or, or even the big, the big show. You know what I mean? Like he, he could work with anybody. I just, I think it's sad that he's underrated like that, but I think people are uh, critical of, of his wrestling opinions because they see him like that. Oh, you were the late nineties jobber and you're, you're over the hill. You're trying to be relevant just because he might not like something that AEW did or whatever. That's one side. The other side of the coin is when disco likes to, get into political stuff and, and, and pop culture and uh, the way the social fabric is now and all that. And uh, he's not afraid to say what he thinks. And that, that bothers people too, because right now you're supposed to, if you don't agree with something, you're supposed to shut up. Right. Like I have opinions. I don't express publicly anymore because I don't want to deal with it, you know? <laughs> and I learned that early on in my podcasting, I got into an argument with somebody on Twitter. And I think it was, um, I don't even want to say what it was. It was something religious. Right. And I realized, like, people are going to have a bad opinion of you. They're going to think that you're the anti this and anti that, and you're not. You're just you're having a conversation, but it looks bad. So from then on, like, I don't comment, if at all, on on political stuff or anything anymore. I just don't do it. Every now and then, I might back up disco on Twitter, but you know, nothing. And I've even taken down old posts and stuff where I'm like, I don't think that's you know, it's nothing bad, but it's just like, I don't want to hear it, you know. I don't want to yeah. hear about it. Plus, when I when I was leaving the year before I left my job, I, I was uh, out with a double hernia. So I had the whole summer off. And uh, that summer, I was just like, I think I'll get back into the news. So I was watching Fox News for a whole summer. So you can imagine how some of my Facebook <laughs> posts were back then. And I, I was like, no, nah, I don't I don't want people finding this. You know, it's just, you know, bad, bad look. So, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think he's he's got problems because. His wrestling opinions are contrarian and, and his political opinions are contrarian too. Yeah. And uh, the one thing I'll give him credit for is he's got very thick skin. He seems to just laugh it off every time. So, yeah. Uh, if he it does. were me, some of the things people have, I've seen say to him, it would probably upset me some, some of that stuff to me. But um, yeah, I, I try not to let it get like, I don't even really take that much shit anymore. You know, it seems like anyone who's a regular listener of K100 or the Raven effect, like, I've they kind of know what I'm going to do now, my style, where I'm going to slip in quips and whatever bullshit. But I, 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 est I establish a rapport with the audience, I think. I've used that word like four times, so I'm sorry about that. But, okay. you know, like with K100, they have the Discord. And I'm friendly with everybody in there. And 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 anyone who tweets me that are Raven Effect listeners, I'm friendly with them. It's just important to me to have that relationship with the audience. So there's not that many people now that would come out against me or bury me because it's been a while. Excuse me. And they kind of know me by now. So but I see it a lot on YouTube. The YouTube's wild because it, it's like people would be like, who's this third Mark? I'm like, 
I've been on the show for six and a half years. Like, what? I'm like, thanks, thanks for coming, but you know, what the hell, you know? So there's there's some of that now, and I think there's some trolls in there that I think it started after Billy left. Like out of nowhere, there's just there's like a handful of people coming after me and stuff, and I'm like, I see what's going on here. They're either Billy fans or friends or whatever, and that's cool. I didn't have anything to do with it, so. Yes, no, I've noticed that the YouTube comments on your channel uh, just. Like there's one guy I'm positive he comments something hateful on every single video that you guys put out. I'm like, the what level are you doing of hate. Here? Like, and I go back like three years into your videos, and he's commenting back then hate and every single thing from then. And I'm like, man, yeah. like to put that much effort in after all these years, weird. Like I'll see one comment, and it'll be like. Joe sucks. Get rid of him or what his voice is stupid, whatever it is. And I'll click on the guy's name and you can see his last three comments or whatever. And it's Joe's gay. I'm like, this is clearly a troll. Like he only shows up the comment that he doesn't like me. Like God, yeah. it's not a real listener, you know? No, exactly. <laughs> but uh, thanks for the view anyway. Um, yeah. That's what I, I pretty much say. Thanks for checking it out. Like, that's all I do. I learned that from Conrad, you know? Right. Cool. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm excited for this one here. Uh, getting back into talk about the podcasting world. Do you have any pet peeves that other, other podcasters or interviewers uh, do? Yeah. I, I used to say this to the guys uh, on get my go and stuff. I hate, I hate the section, the segment of podcasters or, or, or social media people on Twitter or whatever. And it's like every comment of theirs basically means everybody's stupid and everything sucks. No matter what it is. You're stupid for liking that. That sucks. This sucks. It all sucks. The whole whole raw was three hours. It sucked. And I'd always be like, "What the fuck? Why are you watching? Like, move on then. You know, like what what is the point of having this super negative opinion? I don't like. I'm certainly all for criticism. I'm on K100, so you know. And I think I'm always pretty fair. Um, you know, I've I put guys over, but I criticize stuff that I didn't like. I, I try to be very fair, but I just can't stand those shows where they just they hate everything, and it's like. They hate everything and they pretend that they hate wrestling, but in reality, they're the biggest marks of all because mm -hmm. they can't stop watching or going to the live shows, you know, but it's just I know negativity sells and I think people see Cornette and they're like, I'm going to be like Cornette, but you're not. You're not Cornette. You're you're Joe Blow. And if I wanted to hear someone talk about SmackDown, I don't want to hear them tell me for two and a half hours that a two hour show was bad. You know, it just it doesn't make sense to me. That's really it. You know, otherwise, I think everybody just do do what you do, you know. Yeah, no, fair enough. I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of pet peeves that I have uh, with, you know, if you, you're excited to check out this interview with somebody and the guy who's conducted the interview doesn't have the knowledge and didn't do the research beforehand and it yeah. makes me cringe because you see someone like a Vince Russo, you can see the look in his face like as the guy's asking the question, clearly he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, that kind of thing, it, it makes me cringe. I, I just wish if people were going to do podcasts and be interviewers, you've got to know what you're talking about before you start. Like there was a clip I saw with Vince. He was with some other guy who was hosting a show and the guy didn't know what month SmackDown in, I think, 1999 had their uh, their pilot the episode. First show. Yeah, September it, 99, so, isn't it? It's I really, think I just... It's going to be insane. I, I believe I it was April. August, August or September, wasn't it? I believe it was April. Uh, they did one. Oh, okay. The pilot. Yeah. 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 And the guy didn't know. And I'm like, but this is the topic you're talking about right now. How did you not look this up beforehand, bro? Yeah. Like, I know I probably didn't mean anything bad by it. But for me, I'm like, you're in this position on using, you know, on this website for this company and you're interviewing this big name in wrestling. You've got mm -hmm. to know everything before you get them on the show that's just me that's just me Jim. right and and like i said earlier also try to slip in something that you've never heard him answer or that you've always wanted to hear him answer that nobody else is hitting you know like uh that's that's a big thing too but yeah no i agree and it's especially i'm sure it's especially frustrating for you now when you see these guys get interviews and they suck and they don't know what they're doing and you're like fucking if i had that interview damn it you know, I know it's, right? it's crowded <laughs> out there and a lot of the lesser skilled podcasters have have hurt things for the people that know what they're doing or or really making an effort you know when i started um no one ever asked for money to be mm. interviewed uh, yeah. finally i think sabu did yeah down the line you know and uh i just didn't want to set that precedent so i was like well no thank you you know but uh that that was it and to me it's like 
I understand why they're doing it now because, like you said, some of these interviews are so bad. They're like, all right, I'll give this guy 20, 30 minutes, but he's going to give me 200 bucks or 100 bucks, yeah. whatever it is, you know. And now it's considered uh, ancillary income. It goes along with the pictures and the shirts and the whatever else, you know. Oh, shit, I'll make an extra 200. Yeah, let's do that. And I think that that that's a result of bad shows really polluting the landscape, you know. And But like I said before, if you want to do it, do it, do your thing. I, I certainly – can't be that critical because I started with no experience and I didn't even, I was recording through a phone. I didn't know what the <laughs> hell I was doing. So I understand that there's growing pains and all, but just like you said, if, if it looks to me like you're not making the effort and you didn't have the knowledge to begin with, you need to podcast about something else. Like, come on. Exactly. And, you know, I don't want to harp on it too much, but yes, like, okay. Wrestling podcast became a very popular thing. Every time something becomes popular, what happens? That market gets oversaturated with, like, here's a good example. In my city, uh, during, like, the kind of, like, uh, pandemic era of life, uh, one mm -hmm. thing that became really big were, like, tribute bands and, uh, you know, like a Nirvana tribute band or a Pearl Jam tribute band because there were no touring bands coming to Australia. So if you want to get your fix, this became a big thing. Like, these bands that were being formed with very professional musicians were making just sell out shows at all these venues across my city. Then what happens? All the kind of shitty musicians see that they're making some money from it. So then they start forming their versions. So there'll be like a really shit version of Pink Floyd, a Pink Floyd yeah. experience. And yeah. someone sees a poster and goes, oh, cool. Yeah, well, we've been going to a lot of these lately. Let's go see that Pink Floyd band. Oh, they suck. Great. Now <laughs> right. maybe I'm not going to go to any more of these tribute uh, shows and then maybe now that whole scene is uh going to die off because of things of that nature taking place yeah it gets watered down and the quality lessons and and people you know you don't get a second chance to make a first impression so if if somebody you know just some dude from des moines or something i think i'll check out a wrestling podcast i'm i'm a fan i never let me see what it's like and the, and the first one he ever listens to is shit then he might not give anybody show a chance you know and that can happen for sure yeah, and, the, you know, the wrestlers say yes to these interviews, as you just said, and then they'll have a bad experience. And the next time they're going to be either not uh, accepting uh, the request or they're going to ask, hey, yeah, um, $400 uh, United States money, uh, which crazy. for me is like, I don't know, 600 Australian. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. well, no, like I'm not doing that. You, that. That's like half of my week's wage at work. So, no, like I can't. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot. I, I wouldn't have done it back then because like i said i'm pretty i'm very cheap and i'm very cautious and worried about money all the time you know because i've been broke and i don't want to be broke again that kind of thing but also i was uh on my way to getting married and stuff and she never would have went for that and, you know <laughs> and i yeah like i said i didn't want to i didn't want to set a precedent like okay if i can't get you sabu for without paying you i'm gonna go and i'm gonna interview devin's devin storm or something you know so yeah yeah but this is the way it is now. So I'm not able to put out an interview once a week anymore. It's usually maybe once a month at this stage, unfortunately, because of things of that nature. But anyway, let's get away from my complaints uh, of, of of things. But uh, okay. You've, you've, well, wait, real quick, real, real quick. I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt. I just was, th I was thinking of something else, like sure. as far as tips and stuff. One thing I would do back when I was trying to schedule interviews, and I still do it on with Conan show. If I see a reason someone might want to promote something. Like um, I got Van Dam on finally last month and I've been trying for Van Dam for a while just because I was a big fan. And I was like, that's going to be a great connection between those guys and the great chemistry because, you know, Van Dam and Conan both smoke yeah. Van Dam and disco have worked together. They came up in Georgia and all this. And I was like, that would be great. And he was never interested or I wouldn't get a response. And then I saw he was starting a podcast. So I was like, yo, I, I asked his co-host, I'm like, you got to get Rob on. First off, it's going to be great second off you get to promote the show so the reason i'm telling you that is like when um guys are coming to australia for something like recently impact was there right yeah that's when you strike you see who's on the card and you'd be like listen i'm a local guy you know i don't know where how close the shows were but just i'm i'm, I'm in australia and you know uh i see impacts coming and i have a lot of listeners that are local and I think it would be great to have somebody on and then we'll plug the shit out of the shows and all that. I, that's what I did a lot. I got Jarrett on back in the day. Cause I was like, Oh, GFW's like coming like a hundred miles from me for two shows. And that's, that's what I would ask him about. And I would help him promote the shows, you yeah. know? So I still do that. So basically like when it comes to, 
whoever's coming into town, even if AEW shows up eventually or, or Impact comes back or the NWA, whatever it is, you know, Oceana Wrestling, StarCast. When you see stuff like that, use that as your hook to try to get somebody to to come on the show. You know, that's what I would advise you. Yeah, I, I've been trying trying that a little bit more lately, but, uh, you know, had a little bit of a bad experience recently with somebody who has a book out and uh, looked like everything was all lined up, ready to go, try to pick a day, and all I got was no. I said, okay, um, well, is there any other days this week or next week that are available? No reply for a week. Hey, just wanted to check in again to see if you're yeah. still interested in doing the interview. Read it, no reply. I'm like, okay, all right. You know what? Forget it. Okay. You, you did, he, did, he ha- did he happen to uh, be a top uh, money guy in ECW? Is that who it is? No, no. I was saying, yeah, I don't know who it is then because Todd Gordon has a book coming out. That's why I thought, oh, maybe it was Todd. You know? Oh, no. No, what? Not Todd. I'd like to have Todd, but yeah, day, yeah he's a great interview. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking of the interviews that you've conducted over the years, I know this is probably a tough question, but do you have like a top three or top five guests, you know, from your time doing this that really stick out to you? If you want to like maybe tell anyone out there, like what you would recommend for them to listen to that you've been a part of? Yeah. Well, one thing is I, um, it's it's brutal, but I started to kind of lose my love for wrestling almost around the same time that I started being on air with Conan and Disco. So Conan still gets on me. He'd be like, hey, did you see Raw? And I'm like, nah. He's like, Where did, <laughs> don't you work here? Like, why are you not watching the shows, you know? And it's just, I fell off. It's weird. I went to um, WrestleMania and, and um, what do they call it? WrestleCon and all that shit in uh, 2017 as I was starting with Conan. And... Uh, like shortly after that, there wasn't really a reason. I just kind of, I just kind of fell off. And then I remember specifically, uh, it might have been the following year. Like their post WrestleMania stories and pushes. One went to Corbin as the GM, and that was terrible. And then they gave Jinder the belt on SmackDown, and I'm like, I'm all for somebody getting a chance, but you didn't even build this guy up. Like yeah. I'm supposed to believe that this guy is a chance. Like it seemed to me like they didn't care. I'm like fuck it, let's see if this works. And it made me not care. So I haven't watched WWE regularly in years. You know, I watch the pay-per-views and I'll, I'll, I'll watch highlights, but I haven't watched the shows live in years. And um, AEW, I check out. Like, AEW, what happened with me was I watched it. And then last year, Punk got hurt right after winning the belt. And I was like, this sucks. You know, now that whole story's out the window. Yeah. And then um, the the press conference shit happened and they, and they weren't going to go forward with punk versus the elite. And I did, it just kind of, and I wasn't interested in forbidden door last year. So stuff like that, it'll really turn me off. But um, the reason I'm saying that is because when I did creative control, it was all wrestling interviews. When I started to get tired of it and, and I couldn't really see anyone that was still on my list that I could possibly get. Like, of course I want to interview Bret Hart or Paul Heyman or guys like that. It's never going to happen. I've gotten nearly everyone I wanted. What am I going to do? You know, I wasn't too crazy about interviewing indie guys I didn't know much about. And it just it had lo- it lost its luster for me. So I tried to do a, a daily podcast Monday through Friday. It was just creative control daily. And it was going to be like two or three segments of show, like kind of a variety thing. One, I would talk movies with this movie critic. I would talk about uh, comedy, would have Husey on or I would have uh, I had Steve Stripper from The Sopranos on and stuff like that. So when I tell you my favorites, that's why it's it's like two different eras. Right. My favorite from the wrestling side of things. I got to be honest, Disco was was early on a favorite for sure because he was he was you could tell that he was very knowledgeable and that he wasn't afraid to express his opinions. And uh, I liked I liked having Di on immediately. Vince Russo, we had a good rapport too. That's five times. And uh, Bruce Pritchard, I had on two or three times, and now it's like wow, that would never happen anymore. So <laughs> I got lucky. And actually, the way I backdoored my way into that was because Bruce didn't have a podcast yet. But he was coming to Philadelphia to do a live debate with um, Eric Bischoff. Right. And Jericho is the host. It was like a really cool. It wasn't like nowadays everybody does live shows, but this was like kind of like like one of the first ones. Mm. So that's how I got Bruce. I'm in Philly. You're coming to Philly. Let's do this. You know. So, yeah, Bruce Russo, Disco. Uh, I liked having Homicide on. Homicide was a good guest. Um, I'm trying to think. On, Ed Ferrara was very smart and very funny. So he was great too. Jeff Jarrett, I like. Jeff kind of seemed like he was obviously there in, in promoter mode, but he also kind of seemed like he let his guard down a little bit. And I liked I liked talking to him. Uh, later on, 
I used my K100 connection to have to have Shane Helms on, and uh, Frankie Kazarian, and those guys are both great. Shane especially. I, that that episode got a lot of compliments actually. And uh, but then after when I started doing the creative control daily stuff, I had Jackie the Joke Man Martling on from uh, Howard Stern. Yeah, that was cool because I was in the '90s, a big listener when his era. Um, having Steve Schripper from the Sopranos was cool. Again, they were starting a podcast talking Sopranos. I was like, come over here and plug it, you know? And then I had a guy that people probably won't know, but it's like, I'm a major, uh, doors fan and Jim Morrison. Like it's, it's unhealthy probably. But, uh, there was a guy who had a book coming out who was like one of his two or three best friends. So really? I like, well, I can talk to the guy who was his boy and, and made movies with him and drank with him and traveled. So it was a guy named Frank Lisiandro. And I had him on and um, I did a whole Morrison episode with him. And uh, he actually sent me a copy of his book, too. So that was sweet. But, uh, yeah, I'd probably say those guys. Um, if I'm leaving anyone out, that's that's just my wonky brain going. But, yeah, that's yeah. I, it kind of makes me want to scroll through. But and see who was on. But go ahead. Yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, the fact that you spoke to someone who's one of Jim Morrison's friends. I mean, I definitely want to check that out. I'm a huge Doors fan as well, by the way. Um, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, do you have any other goals in podcasting or pro wrestling? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it would sound silly to say that I don't, I, I don't know exactly what they are though. Like with podcasting, I'm, I'm perfectly content right now with doing what I'm doing. And for a while I was doing, you know, K100, which is, it's a lot, it's a lot of work because we usually record eight hours a week or more. And I edit that so meticulously that that means I'm going to listen to everything again. So then you add your eight hours to that. And um, and when I'm not doing that, I'm looking for sponsors or I'm plugging on social media or I'm just answering people in the Discord or Twitter. Like there's a lot that goes into it. It's just a lot of stuff. Ravenshaw, I don't have to do anything except show up and be stupid, you know, so that's <laughs> kind of fun. But for a while from like uh, 2017 on and off until last year, I was working with Conrad doing a lot of his shows. Like I did 83 weeks almost the whole time it was around until I left. And then I, I worked on Pritchard and Jarrett's and angles and Arns. I had a lot of gigs going, but it was so much like I had to put out a show for Conrad every morning. So there was just, I did not. And it sounds silly. Oh, you're just editing. Yeah. But still when you're scheduled to do something and it's every night of the week or whatever, you get a little tired. Like, when am I going to get a break? Even if I'm just sitting at a chair, you know, but the reason I said this, cause I, I had, um, they, they changed their whole, like working situation a couple of guys were gone and i was one of the guys and you know that that had something to do with some other things too but i found out after that like even though i missed the money a little bit like it was so much better to have that free time now like like a like a it was just like fresh air really and so i realized like man conan and raven like i don't really want to do anything else you know there's been talks about maybe another show i was gonna put together with two other wrestlers but that's just talks for right now um goals um just to see K100 continue to grow and, and see and try to help the Raven show grow a little bit and just keep doing what I'm doing. Really. I mean, I'm pretty, pretty content right now with, with the way things are going in wrestling. I mean, it's tough to say because I'm, I'm going to be 42. Wait, how freaking old am I? I'll be 42 in October. So I'm a little long in the tooth to be jumping in, you know, as a writer, uh, these companies want if WWE, especially they're going to want someone that's like 30 and has 10 years on a sitcom or whatever it is. Mm. So, I mean, I, of course I would enjoy if I was able to go somewhere and sit in a room and, and, and you know, contribute creatively or uh, with booking or maybe even helping shape someone's new character. Like I'd love to do stuff like that. I just, I don't, I don't know how likely it is. Mm. I, I think if I really tried to press any of the connections that I have at some point, maybe I could at least, get interviewed <laughs> but I, I don't know like yeah that would be cool but like i said times time is flying and say i'm doing uh k100 another three years and then all of a sudden you know the show's gone for whatever reason and i'm like geez i gotta replace that slice of income i'm 45 years old who's gonna where am i gonna go you know <laughs> AEW's not gonna want to bring in you know what i'm saying so yeah. I, I would love to be involved creatively somewhere but i just it's so it's like i always tell people yeah i might as well wish to be an astronaut you know it's not those slots are coveted and uh yeah, if you don't have experience, like it's like what if you were AEW and you wanted to bring someone in to help with creative writing, who would you bring in? Me, who wrote 
one short story and podcasts and never worked <laughs> in any company or bringing Jimmy Jacobs, who's been creative in WWE and impact and all that. So it's just, there would have to be a real unique circumstance if, if I was to get in any of those positions, but I'll, I, I hope, you know, maybe someday. Yeah, I understand, bro. I, I tried to uh, get in with one of these uh, local wrestling companies. Um, just, I just said, I said to someone that was in charge of the company that I just want to contribute in some way. Like, even if it's just like, just to throw some ideas out there, you know, I went to a show, I wrote like a whole bunch of notes on things, but, um, after I was just like, I think you got this, bro. Like, I don't know how much I can contribute because this is such a family friendly, like local independent show. Like everything I'd want to do would be way overboard uh for what your clientele are so um i kind of yeah that that, little dream on the back burner <laughs> that kind of you know that's what i did with the monster factory because they ran shows you know mfpw monster factory for wrestling and uh that's when i would go and i would uh write reviews and i would deal with the guys and uh, what was that finisher called okay and then i would send the reviews around and i wrote some promos and gave them to the guy danny that that runs it and um just stuff like that. But that's, that's, yeah, I was trying to get my foot in the door the same way, you know, you, you try to help. And uh, that's probably what, I, what I would wind up doing one day is just out of nowhere, write a, a raw script and just send it to guys. You're like, Hey, look, I can write this. What do you think? You know, <laughs> yeah, maybe someday, but what I found like, I could probably go back to the monster factory and uh, they have like a booking program where you would, you know, learn how to book and stuff. I could without a doubt, go do that. But, like I said, I'm so comfortable with my schedule and, and the amount of free time I have now. It's, it's still not that much, but it would be really difficult for me to to dedicate, you know, what would almost be seven days a week of writing or thinking or going there for training or answering people. Like, I just I don't I don't want to do it right now. But that's one thing. And that would be that would give me some credibility elsewhere. If it's like, no, no, I booked wrestling for this. It was for the Monster Factory, but I did it. You know, so that's something that like you just said, I have on the back burner. It's a possibility, but right now I'm just very comfortable. So <laughs> happy to hear it, Joe. Happy to hear it. Um, so look, <laughs> we, I've had a great time talking to you here today about podcasting. Uh, and hopefully one day in the future, I could bring you back on and we could just shoot the shit about other things um, sure. to do with pro wrestling, etc. But we're getting toward the end here, Joe. It's getting late over there for you. <laughs> uh, we've got our final segment here. Uh, it's to learn about your favorite things, Joe. Uh, first question here: Who's your favorite pro wrestler of all time? Um, it's difficult for so I I'm gonna be one of those guys that has to name a few, but Bret Hart was always a favorite. Uh, Mick Foley, I was big into Mick in the late '90s, which explains why I was doing backyard wrestling and falling off sheds and stuff. So thank you, Mick. <laughs> um, Punk for a while was one of my favorites. I still I still almost find myself putting the shows on just to see Punk. I want to see who's gonna wrestle or what he's gonna do. Um. Yeah, I would say those three guys are my top. Yeah, Bret Hart, Foley, and, and CM Punk, you know. Good choices there. Uh, do you have a favorite match from the history of pro wrestling? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, Yeah, a lot of people say this, but I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. Austin and Bret from WrestleMania 13, the I Quit, I think it was. That's that's just amazing. Um, You know, some ECW stuff with Van Damme and Jerry Lynn was great. Hogan and, excuse me, I'm like, I keep almost burping Hogan and Savage at WrestleMania five is something that people, people always say, Oh, Hogan couldn't work. Nah, go watch WrestleMania five, Hogan and Savage. And you'll, you'll have a different opinion. Um, I'm trying to think of these are all like old, you know, trying to think of more recent. I thought that, um, punk did good stuff in his first comeback last year. Like whether it was with Kingston or MJF, like I liked a lot of that stuff, but as far as like all time, yeah, Brett and Austin, um, like I said, it, various ECW stuff, and uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, getting away from wrestling now. Do you have a favorite book? Um, yeah, I was a I was a big Stephen King reader, so when it comes to that, like, um, it was one of my favorites, and The Stand. You know, his two really big epics, but he also wrote a um, nonfiction called On Writing, and it kind of told some of his story about how he finally sold a book and what he was, he was working at a laundry for 12 hours a day and writing at night and how he met his wife. But then the second part of it was just writing tips, like, you know, 
you got to follow the story. Don't change it because you like this character. If this character is going to get hit by a car, that's what's going to happen. You can't save them, that kind of thing. And I, so on writing by Stephen King's a big, big favorite. Yeah, I would say that. That's cool. Um, next one. Uh, do you have a favorite TV show? I have a, I have a lot because like, you know, I, I did the screenwriting thing and writing for TV courses and all that. And like I said, it was for maybe I could use this to get into wrestling, but you know, I knew how slate those odds were. So I, I really wanted to write for like a TV drama and again, just be in the writing room and contribute and learn the characters and whatever, and maybe even write an episode or two a season, whatever it would be. And and the reason I got into that is because of shows like Sopranos, Six Feet Under, Deadwood, all the great HBO classics, The Wire. Um, so those are all on the list. But then I also have Mad Men and Breaking Bad are both on the list. And the first season of True Detective is like so incredible, that show was. Yeah, so I think I named most of my favorites, you know. I, there were some other ones I watched. You know, I, I liked Entourage. I, I did a rewatch, like I think it was during the pandemic. And it was still funny. And even seasons that I thought were bad were funnier than I remembered. Maybe it's because that was a, such a non-PC show that it was good to see it like that. And uh, Californication's first couple seasons were really good, too, with um, David Duchovny. So, yeah, I, I, I do have a lot. But, you know, TV and dramas and stuff are really big to me because I'm way into that, like watching the characters progress and all that. Um, Yellowstone has mm. been one that I watch regularly now. And then Heels. Have you watched Heels? I've only seen one episode, actually. I think you might be able to get the first season free while they're building up to the second. Um, I don't remember where that is. Maybe it's even on YouTube. But give Heels, as a wrestling fan, a watch. And, and you know, it's not just wrestling. There's family. There's drama around the business. There's a co competitor that wants to, you know, put them out of business, steal their talent. You know, I've I've watched it with my wife, who's not a wrestling fan, and she dug it. It, it was just a cool. good show that just happened to have wrestling in it, you know. So I would recommend Heels for sure. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll put it on the list. But you, you named a bunch of TV shows that I'm quite a big fan of. So I think we've got the same yeah. taste and things, bro. Yeah. Uh, next one might be a difficult one. Again, favorite film? Um, True Romance. Uh, do you know that one? Yeah. Tarantino wrote it, but it was directed by um, Tony... Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name right now. Um, it's not Tony Scott. What the hell is it? I can't think of it. But yeah, I, that's one of my favorites all time. Um, and there's a few like there's one called 25th Hour that came out with uh, Edward Norton. It was uh, directed by Spike Lee and was based off a novel by a guy I think a lot of people know now, but may not have known then. His name's David Benioff, the guy that was one of the showrunners on Thrones. So he's like a major heel. In a lot of people's right. minds now because of how, how Game of Thrones ended. But no, he wrote this really good novel called 25th Hour. The movie's great. Then you got like Fight Club, Chasing Amy, The Departed. Um, yeah, that's probably like – that would be like a top five. And that, that hasn't changed for years, you know. And I, there's been a lot of good movies, and I've seen new stuff or old stuff that was new to me, and those those are still on the top of my list. They, they all made an impression on me at one time or another. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, favorite musical artist or band? Uh, Guns N' Roses and The Doors. And uh, I can say Guns N' Roses because it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm just uh, a fan of when Slash was there or something. Like I was a fan through everything from when I found them in like 1991 till today. And the different guys coming in and, and, and the album finally coming out and Slash and Duff coming back. Like I'm just a fan of the whole catalog, you know. And um, I saw them it's funny with them because if you're a Guns N' Roses fan, you never know if you're ever going to see them again. Cause who knows? Right. Mm. So I remember when they first came around back in 2011 and it was without slash, like I saw like three shows in 10 days or something. Plus, cause they weren't, there was no slash. The tickets were cheaper, which was cool. <laughs> and, and since then I've seen them a lot of times since they got slash and duff back, I've seen them four maybe. And I'm going to go again in uh, next month to, to two of them, I think. So Guns N' Roses huge for me. Like that's the kind of thing where, you know, if you died tomorrow, your friends would hear Welcome to the Jungle to Remember Rain and immediately think of you, you know. Yeah. But the, the Doors and Jim Morrison are another one. Uh, that was like I found him in when I was a teenager, rebellious type phase. And that's what Morrison was pretty much. He's he's the perfect idol for a, for a rebellious teenager, even though it can lead to some bad behavior. But yeah, <laughs> I, the Doors were great. And then um, but still, I'm a big Zeppelin and Rolling Stones fan. I like a lot of Pearl Jam. 
on the other side of things, I'm a big Tupac fan. I was a huge fan of Eminem early on and all the early nineties to mid nineties death row rap and Wu Tang and all that. So that's, that's all the kind of stuff I listen to throughout my life, but like favorites it's guns and roses is like one a and the doors is like a little bit under. Right. Again, you, you're naming pretty much all my favorite bands there, bro. So ah. Excellent stuff. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> um, okay. Getting away from the arts. Did you, did you see, did you see guns yes. ever? Did you I've see Guns N' Roses ever? I saw Hired Guns N' Roses uh, yeah. back in the day. Um, but then I got to see, I've seen them twice now with Slash and Duff. So, Because um, they were just there, weren't they? Yeah. Or maybe yeah. It was... I had like VIP experience. Cool. And, cool. Um, yeah. I don't, I mean, his, he's having his, Axel's having his struggles, but you know, he still put, I, I remember I watched, they did Rock and Rio last year. And it was my wife came down. She's like, "Ooh, he's sounding rough here and there." I'm like, "Yeah, but watch. Like, he's he's in it. He's working his ass off, you know." So that that's how I look at him now. He's had some struggles vocally, but I, I know I'll still have fun there, you know. Guns and Roses shows, it's like a great atmosphere because there's a lot of like uh, casual fans, but there's also mm. a hell of a lot of hardcores, and they're going to be singing along with the lesser known songs just like you, you know. And it's just I, I just, Guns and Roses shows are a great atmosphere, so I'm looking forward to next month. Yeah, awesome, bro. Yeah, I've also seen uh, Duff McKagan's uh, band Loaded and uh, Slash oh, cool. by himself. I've seen Adler's Appetite twice now, I think. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen pretty. Uh, Izzy Stradlin's the last guy of the lineup, that, uh, but that's never been. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I, um, I never saw any of that actually. And I saw Stone Temple Pilots after Wyland left Velvet Revolver. I never got to see Velvet Revolver, who I found down the line when I stopped being stubborn because I'm not listening to those traders. <laughs> you know, they made a good first record and I, I wish I yeah. kind of would have seen, you know. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um so anyway, getting away from the arts now, bro. Uh favorite food. I'm a fat pig, man. And I'm from Philly. So I have to say just a cheesesteak, but there's so many varieties that I worked in a cheesesteak place when I was a teenager. And it was like pretty highly regarded. Like I won awards and stuff it was on the food network and it was like cool to work there it was like you know you were proud that you worked at leo's and uh it was also great and fun because you know i was a teenager and it was like every shift would have three teenage guys three teenage girls and you know people you know there's all kinds of situations there so the job was great but being there was like i I learned the ability to just make any kind of variety of a cheesesteak ever so i have a lot of crazy ones but so I'll, I'll order from places and just be like, oh, let's see if they can make it like this, you know? And, and uh, yeah, I'm a big cheesesteak pig for sure. <laughs> for sure. Other than that, just uh, like a strip steak. Uh, I really like that. I, I, you know, I don't know why people say filet mignon is what they're, I'm, I'm a strip steak guy. I'm not comp, I'm not complicated. And then a, a big, big into Italian and Mexican food too. But yeah, if I'm being honest, I'm a big fat cheesesteak pig. Wonderful. Sure. Wonderful. Uh, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road? No, not necessarily, but I would probably, if I was like going, if I was like following a band or I was out, I worked for AEW or something, I'd probably normally like try to find if there's a good steakhouse in town or a good Italian. You know, that's what, that's what I would look for. There was a place in Wilkesburg, Pennsylvania I went to. It was like a steakhouse in this hotel and I can't remember its its name, but it's to this day one of the best meals I've ever had. So they'd, they'd get the nod. I don't think it's there anymore, but yeah. Very nice. Uh, three to go here. Uh, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? And if you don't drink, just a favorite beverage in general. Yeah, I'm a big drunken pig too. So that's, you know, um, I, I pushed out like in my early 20s and just just started drinking light beer, which is probably much better for my uh, figure or it was not so much anymore. So like uh, Miller Lite, it used to be Bud Light. I'm not saying anything else about that, but you know, Miller Lite. Um, but at the same time, I like Corona. I like Heineken. Like I like a lot of beer. I like different styles for sure. And it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. There's a, I don't know if you guys get uh, Samuel Adams over there, Sam Adams. We do. Yeah. Sam Adams, cherry wheat is a delightful, delightful little treat there. I like that a lot, but it, it can vary. Like if I'm, if I'm going for a long, a long run, you know, if I know I'd be out with my buddies for like six, seven hours. It's late beer. But if I'm chilling, it's usually like Dos Equis or I'll just try something new. Cause there's a lot of craft beer places around here and there's always something new to choose from, you know? So, uh, and then after, without that, um, I like cherry vodka. Um, cause I found out that I can drink clear when I try to drink, uh, the Brown, like a little whiskey or something. 
it's not always going to lead to disaster, but sometimes it does. But when I do, I, I like uh, Jameson and uh, Tullamore Dew, Irish whiskeys, you know. That's very pretty nice. much. Very, and then I'll nice. still I, I'll still have a, like a tequila night every now and then, too. Another thing I didn't drink for a long time, but you you, you grow to like it for any tequila drinkers out there. You like the whole process of it, the salt and the lime and, you know. So every now and then I'll have a nice Cuervo silver time. <laughs> very nice, bro. Very nice. Uh, second last one here. Uh, favorite female body part or attribute? You see a good looking lady. You know, what would Joe Feeney look at first? Um. Well, I mean, I would say, oh, I'm an ass guy or whatever, which is accurate. But uh, I could also be uh, a breast man. and but, but really, it's like. If she has a really smoking body, but her face isn't all that pretty, I'm not. I can't do it. Like I'm not. Like it. Ha sh I'm. I'm really all about a pretty face. Yeah. And then from there, I work my way down. After that, it's probably like, oh, let's see if she got a nice ass. You know. So. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice, bro. Now, Mr. Don Morocco is also an ass man. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last one, had, Joe. Uh, you had Don Morocco on. That's I did sweet. have Don Morocco on. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's nice. awesome. That's a good get. <laughs> Uh, and the last one, Joe, uh, favorite curse word. Oh, fuck. I mean, the area I'm from, it's like uh, people start sentences with the word fucking. <laughs> It'll be like, yeah, what did you do last night? Fucking, I was at the uh, I was at the bar and such and such. Nah, fucking my girlfriend wasn't into it. You know, like people will start. It's it's brutal. It's brutal. The, the foul language that goes on, goes on here in the Philly area. I'm sure the whole East Coast as well. Yeah. Wonderful, Joe. Well, that comes to the end of our segment of finding out about your favorite things. This has been a joy, Joe. So great to have the chance to connect with you. Uh, so once again, thank you so much for your time, bro. It really, uh, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, for being there for me with advice and helping calm me down when I'm thinking about quitting my show because of all my right. struggles uh, that have yeah. been going on. Uh, so I really appreciate, you know, how much of a friend you've been to me, my friend. Happy to do it. I'm always happy to answer questions or advise if I'm to be presumptuous, you know, and I just because I know I started, like I said, I didn't know anything. You know, I was I was kind of self-taught for editing and sponsors and guests and just everything. I was how to how to broadcast, you know, so I don't have a problem at all, you know, talking to people about that. I, I get a lot of requests like that, too. I, I don't answer them all. So you should uh <laughs> Feel feel special today, but okay. yeah, if you um yeah, I'll be I'd be happy to come back. You know, you mentioned it before, and then I was gonna say too um, I'll get with you by the weekend. Why don't you do the K100 intro this week too, if you want, and then you can plug your show on there. Okay, that sounds great, bro. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you yep. very much, Joe. Really appreciate you got it. it, man. And thank, thank you. all of you for joining us here, me and my friend Joe Feeney here on the Insider's Edge podcast, and we will see you down the road. Thank you. What are you don't serve that don't serve that no, dick, what are you, you doing? Fuck it hell man! We need a fish on that. How do I push fish. him off the edge? We need a fucking fish. Taxi! Don't pay network, that's the way we play. Good God Almighty! Don't pay network, that's the way we play. Get puppies. Taxi! Don't pay network, that's the way we play. Get all announcement has been paid for by the WZWA network.